electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Last Call, NVIDIA CEO speaking exclusively to CNBC just after the blowout quarter. You'll hear it right here on Last Call. If you think NVIDIA stock's been on a tear, wait till you see what's happening to real estate around NVIDIA's headquarters. Plus, an ominous sign? The market is now doing something that has not been seen since 1931. Yes, 1931. A nasty jolt while Rivian and Lucid investors are slamming the sell button right now. And deal time, yet another oil merger just announced. This one, not in Texas. And Amazon going deep. The price to score a single NFL playoff game is dropping jaws across sports and media. All that and more over the hours. Belly up and buckle up as always. This last call is up right now. Hi, everybody. Good evening here. Good afternoon out west. I am Brian Sullivan. All that and more coming up over the hour. But first up on last call, let's just namaste. Take a deep breath. Relax. NVIDIA just saved the world. Or at least saved the markets or your money for now. Shares of NVIDIA are surging on its booming AI business. Now, the stock initially dropped 6% after hours, but quickly recouped all that and more. That reversal marked... (laughs) A $250 billion swing in market cap in just 15 minutes. Little RBI, that $250 billion swing, 15 minutes, is more than Netflix's entire market cap. Now, that move lifting other big AI players, Microsoft, Alphabet moving higher, Meta moving higher as well. And, of course, we got to take a gander at old super microcomputer, SMCI. It's a stock that lost a quarter of its value just since last Friday, but it did pop up after hours. There we go. It's up 62 bucks right now, about a 9% gain. Not making it all back, but up nonetheless. Now, the street delivered really a bellwether for NVIDIA's earnings, but look at that. And like we said, everything's fine with super micro. ARM is also flexing its muscles. Sorry. Stock is popping on NVIDIA's big day. The British semiconductor company is up more than 80% this month. Now, this could help the overall markets. Futures pointing toward a higher open tomorrow right now. We are seeing a little bit in the green. In fact, NASDAQ up about 1%, I think. Tough to read. All right, so like the 70s country song goes, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So let's put the show in gear. For more on NVIDIA's earnings, bring in Christina Partsnevelos. She's been listening to the earnings call. Christina, big quarter. What is Jensen Wong saying? 
he's giving investors confidence. They were looking for that reassurance in the AI trade, and they got it from tonight's earnings call. NVIDIA CEO promising that fundamentals are, quote, excellent for continued growth in 2025 and beyond because of two main trends. First, the $1 trillion data center market is transitioning right now from uh, general use, think older servers, to more advanced computing. And that means, think of it like modernization. The second trend is companies using their own proprietary data to build, quote, AI factories and large language models to improve their productivity. So they're purposely buying new product to build new systems. Here's CEO Jensen Wong on the earnings call about that demand potential. We believe these two trends will drive a doubling of the world's data center infrastructure installed base in the next five years and will represent an annual market opportunity in the hundreds of billions. A lot of money. Speaking of demand, the company beat in all revenue categories with the focus on data centers. Uh, actually, that revenue up 38% quarter over quarter, which still climbed even though NVIDIA saw a significant drop in Q4 revenues because of U.S. export restrictions to China. They have started shipping alternative chips to China that do not require a license. That means NVIDIA demand for data centers is coming from elsewhere. Over 50% of data center demand comes from cloud service providers, while new growth is actually actually also coming from auto, financials, as well as healthcare sectors. NVIDIA's CEO assuring investors on the earnings call that they have seen improvements in supply and are tracking to ship their new or their next coming H200 chip in the second quarter of this year. But it's the newest B100 AI chip, so there's a lot of acronyms there, but that chip may face the same supply constraints that we saw with the H100 because it often takes a while to ramp up a new product. This according to Jensen himself. In other words, you can get the H100, you can get the H200, but be warned, the latest AI chip, the B100, may take a few months to come uh, to your company, let's say. H100, B100, I don't know if it sounds like a radio station or some Toyota from the 1970s, Christina. Just think, yeah, but here, here's, just think of it as new AI chips, well, just that's, so you okay, know. So I know it's confusing for a lot, but it's just iterations of AI chips. That's it. Well, they're made, I think, largely by TSM, are they not? Taiwan Semiconductor that actually physically makes them. And I bring that up because here's the thing I want people to remember at NVIDIA, as amazing as it is, and we'll talk to Dan Ives and Eric Jackson in a moment, Christina, Explain, these are physical products. They have to be made. So we talk about things like supply constraints. What I think you're saying is that the company is kind of not warning, but just reminding people, hey, we have a physical product, however cool it is, that we have to churn out, and we have limited capacity to do that. In other words, we may not be able to make enough of these widgets over the next couple of years to meet demand. Correct. Yeah, specifically for the AI chip. And NVIDIA is much like, I can make the comparison to Uber. It is an asset-like company. They design the chips, but they were, they rely on another corporation like TSMC or maybe in the future like Intel to actually build the product. Uber, you know, doesn't own all the cars. They rely on drivers in their own vehicles. There's many companies that run uh, this asset-light scenario. And so specifically for NVIDIA, they're saying that, yeah, supply is getting better for the current chips that are going to be are in the market and are going to be in the market in the next few quarters, but the upcoming iteration, the one that's going to be great for inferencing on large language models, that chip is going to be a little bit more supply constraint because initially when a new product drops, everybody rushes to go buy it and the supply isn't there. The ramp takes a little bit longer. This is according to Jensen Wong, the yeah. CEO of NVIDIA, because he did get asked this specifically on the call. I was furiously trying to Google 
how many shares of NVIDIA, and I, I, I didn't have time. The next thing I know, the top of my head's on television. I didn't have time to find out. I was just wondering, how, how rich is Jensen Wong right now? This has got to be one of the richest men in the world, even though he, I mean. Oh, yeah, him. But so is AMD's uh, Elisa Sue, too. I think the billion-dollar category. I'm at an Intel event right now. I'm sure uh, Pat Gelsinger isn't too far behind. Christina Partsenevelis, out west. NVIDIA's numbers. Big story, Christina. Thank you very much. All right, so let's get some reaction on NVIDIA's big quarter. What it means for them, semiconductors, markets, your money. Joining us now is Wedbush Managing Director Dan Ives and the founder and president of EMJ Capital, Eric Jackson. You got my point. Listen, there's no doubt it's a big quarter, Dan. Okay, I mean, it's a huge quarter. As you call him, the godfather of AI strikes again. Investors love it. Everything's up. Do you at all worry, at all, maybe not, that they just simply won't be able to make enough of this to meet all these super bullish investor expectations? Look, I mean, as the godfather of AI, Jensen spoke, the market listens. And this was shows this is not peaking. The demand's going to continue to accelerate. All of our supply chain checks, we don't see any supply, major supply issue that dents this story into 2025, which is why I believe this puts jet fuel in this tech bull market, call it a Taylor Swift moment for the tech market. But I believe this is probably the most important earnings that we've seen from any company in the market for the last five years. Eric Jackson, is there anything at all in the quarter that sticks out? I'm not trying to be negative. I'm, I, the stock's up. Everybody loves it. So there's 49 buy ratings and four holds on the stock. I mean, some point, somebody's just got to say, well, could something go wrong here? Well, I own it, Brian. So obviously, well, you're not the guy I, then. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, you know, I, lo- I love this. I think we're in the second inning of, a, of a, you know, the, the nine inning game here. But, you know, if, are you, if you're asking me, is AI a bubble? Yeah, it's a bubble. But I would argue that anything major that you've made a ton of money from in tech over the last 20, 25 years started as a bubble. Dot com was a bubble iPhone in 2007, 2008 was a bubble. You know, we're starting to obviously see some of the signs of a bubble. Like, you know, when when NVIDIA filed the 13F report in, you know, a few a week ago or so, and it said we, it had an investment in SoundHound and suddenly the stock was up, you know, 80%. It's doubled. SoundHound has doubled in like three months. Yeah. So those are signs of a bubble. But do you want to invest in Amazon in like, you know, 99 or Apple in 2007, 2008. I mean, NVIDIA is still very in the early days of this of this rollout for AI. You know, most enterprises, you know, are probably going to have a board meeting tomorrow and say, did you see those NVIDIA earnings last night? What is our AI strategy? And that is going to fill the top of the funnel for the next generation of customers that's going to come, you know, next quarter and the quarter after that. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, Dan, next time I go in for a contract negotiation, I'm going to remind my bosses, you can't spell Brian or Sullivan without the letters AI in either name. So that right there should just double or I'll be making Dan Ives kind of money after that. But on, on a serious level, there's a lot of things out there. Listen, it's not necessarily your wheelhouse, Dan, but things like enough electricity generation to power the data centers in Loudoun County, Virginia. There's, there are constraints 
out there. And the only reason I'm mentioning this is doing this for 25, almost 30 years now, is that whenever you, when everybody's on one side of the ferry, whenever you think there's nothing that could go wrong, sometimes that's when wave hits. Waves hit. And they may not. And video may double from here. I'm just saying that there's, there's got to be something out there that people need to particularly focus on. Look, look, I think the biggest issue continues to be China. But I, and I think what was so jaw dropping in terms of the quarter, even with China on the decline, look at the actual quarter. Now, to your point, I don't think we hit some of those issues in terms of supply or, or even electricity, not for another 18, 24 months, which is why, Brian, I mean, we believe this is a 1995 move. This is not a 1999-2000 moment. And that's why I think for the tech bulls, I mean, this is really, you know, what, what I view, it's a, it's a game-changer moment that the godfather of AI delivered yet again. There you go. Uh, Eric, um, AI, like you said, you named some other names. Uh, it's probably going to change the world. I, I get that. But your point, you, you said, not me, that there are certainly parts that are bubble. What's your advice to particularly newer or sort of just more retail or amateur investors and traders out there right now? Well, you, you got to do your homework, like like at any time, you know, in the history of the stock market, right? You know, you can't just look for a hot tip on a, on a stock message board or on Twitter or X or whatever and just run with it. I mean, do your research. I, I think, you know, a name like Supermicro, which you just mentioned a few months ago, that's a legitimate company. We're, if I'm right and we're still in the early innings of this rollout, you know, even though it seems crazy they've gone up 100 bucks a day over the last few weeks, I mean, this could be a $3,000 stock in a couple of years. Um, I, I think that, you know, some of the some of the stocks that, that NVIDIA just has an investment in, you know, I'm less excited about that. So you just just do your research, try to you know read up on on stuff, find the most yeah. smartest people in the room, like people like Dan uh, and and go from there. Yeah, it's good advice, though I, I think you would assume that fundamentals might matter in that situation. Dan, I can't let you go. i got to ask you about Palo Alto Networks. I'm sure your clients are calling you as well. Listen, the stock got destroyed today, down 28%. They slashed full-year billings and revenue guidance. I will add, the stock is still well higher over the past year. So it is well up over the past year. It got whacked. High beta stock, obviously. Uh, are you still a believer in Palo Alto Networks? Because today was tough. It was a tough look. It was a brutal for bulls and, and for us. But look, this was a, it was a nightmare on Elm Street quarter and a conference call. But but the bull story is still there. In other words, this is still probably third inning of a nine inning game relative to the cloud and AI opportunity. We've been here before with Palo Alto. So this is not the time to throw in the white towel. I know many have. I think we sit here six, nine months from now. And this was more of a golden buying opportunity and overreaction rather than the time where the structurally declined. All right, still bullish on PANW because it was tough. Still up over the past year. Tough day today, though. Dan Ives, Eric Jackson, both of you, thank you very much. All right, let's take a look at what happened here. Macro money today. There was other stuff that went on today, believe it or not. You had the Fed minutes, some other things. Well, we saw the Dow and the S&P up slightly. The Nasdaq down about three-tenths of one percent. Coming up, exclusive content comments from who else? NVIDIA CEO to CNBC's John Fort. You'll have them, but only if you stick around. But up next... The shock that Rivian and Lucid investors did not need to hear or see. I'll show it to you coming up.
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, let's get to tomorrow's news tonight. The stories you and some of Wall Street will be talking about tomorrow. Royal Caribbean, it is popping right now. The cruise line raising its expectations on both demand and bookings and says the first five weeks of the year have been the strongest seasonal bookings in the company's history. Wow. Royal Caribbean had first reported earnings at the beginning of the month. Now, this should not be a surprise to all you last call viewers and listeners. Remember, the first week of January, the CEO told us down in Miami that things were strong. When you look at our business, you know, we've been very focused on having the best brands in each segment, having the best ships in each segment, having the best destinations. That combined with a global sourcing footprint, we think is why we, we had performed so well. There you go. All right, next up, energy investment bankers getting even richer tonight because there's another oil and gas deal happening now. Cord Energy announcing it'll buy Canadian energy supplier Enerplus for $11 billion dollars. These are both mid-cap oil and gas stocks, not household names, I get it, but $11 billion is a big deal, and they both have operations in North Dakota. And now for some tough news for a couple of car company investors and, by the way, employees. Rivian laying off 10% of its salaried workforce. It now says that new truck and SUV output will not grow this year. There's also more talk of order cancellations. Shares of Rivian are down again after hours, off about 14%. The air also coming out of Lucid. Shares down as well, just now under 4 bucks. Lucid, like Rivian, is seeing slower demand. By the way, go take a look for yourself, but there's a lot of lower mileage, one-year-old Rivians and Lucids and Cars.com and other third-party sites. Cars, many people waited over a year to get and spent $125,000, $150,000 on. They drove for a couple thousand miles and now want to sell. All right, for a deeper dive into Rivian, Lucid, and the state of the EV markets, Spring in CBC's Phil Bose had a big day, and you've got a big interview tomorrow with the man that, that founded and runs Rivian. I'm sure a lot of questions there. A lot of questions, and the conference call tonight, he gave some answers, but not the answers that are going to make you say, as an investor, okay, yeah, I see it. I understand exactly where these guys are. I see a path to profitability, because right now, this is a company that reported what some are calling a messy fourth quarter. Now, there were some parts of this that are slightly encouraging, but the wider-than-expected loss is not good. The loss per vehicle, up about $12,000 compared to the third quarter. And the 2024 production guidance, this is the killer. 57,000 vehicles. You know what the street was expecting guidance for production this year to be? 81,000. As a result, you're going to see a lot of delivery estimates come down over the next day or two. The street was expecting Rivian to deliver 66,000 vehicles. They delivered just over 50,000 vehicles last year. If they deliver 50,000 out of that 57,000, 
that might be in the ballpark. Nobody's quite sure. As of right now, that's the main thing that's weighing on this stock. Their liquidity of $9.37 billion, they don't have to raise capital right now. But remember, it's not until 2026 that we see the next vehicle, the R2. And there are more than a few people out there who are saying, you're cutting your losses, but are you going to be able to maintain your liquidity all the way over the next couple of years, given the slowdown in the EV market. You mentioned RJ Scarinch. We're going to talk to him exclusively tomorrow morning on Squawk Box. We'll not only go over the fourth quarter, but more importantly, the guidance for this year. Quickly, let's talk about Lucid. A Q4 loss of 29 cents a share. Revenue coming in lower than expected at $157 million. I talked to Peter Rollins and the CEO of Lucid after the numbers came out, and he said, look, we've got enough uh, liquidity to get all the way into early 2025. But here's the problem. Yes, they're going to start SUV production in the fourth quarter. At least that's the plan right now. And they did announce that they're going to build a midsize vehicle in 2026. But guess what? The street was expecting them to say production this year would be 14,000 vehicles. They came out today, Brian, and said they plan on building 9,000 vehicles. Those are the two EV stocks that are getting hammered right now, mainly because they're telling people we're not going to build as many as we originally thought, as many people thought we were going to build for 2024. And it's easy to see why. We know what's going on with the market right now. Can we, can we just go back to that first graphic that you had from Rivian, Phil? That, that I knew they were losing money per car and, or truck, I should say, an SUV, yeah. R1T, R1S. They're losing $43,000 per vehicle? Yeah. Yeah. In the third quarter, I think it was like 31000 They had brought it down considerably compared to where it was a year ago, year and a half ago. So they had been making a lot of progress there. They've got some costs that they, they and they look on the conference call. RJ Scaringe was very blunt in saying a big part of what they are planning on doing this year is getting the production and the costs in line with a market that obviously has slowed down. And the key is, Brian, can you get to R2 development and production in 2026? And when you get there and they say, look, it's going to be a mass market, smaller uh, SUV, probably priced in, or they're expecting somewhere around $40,000, $45,000. Great. But how many other EVs will be at that price point at that time? I mean, just a lot of questions that are out there as you look over the next couple of years for Rivian. Best looking SUV out there, electric or gas, in my just uh, humble opinion. But you wonder, they want to they lease them. we got to let you go, Phil, but they want to lease them. But that means they're going to have to buy them back at severely discounted rates. Uh, tough story. Great company. Good people. Tough story. Look forward to the interview yeah. tomorrow morning, Phil. Thank you. All right. Still ahead, from cars to planes, top executive Boeing shown the door all amid the 737 MAX debacle. But does the shakeup go far enough? Plus... You might have heard about this, but NVIDIA, they make semiconductors, and that stock is soaring. The company's CEO is speaking out to CNBC's John Fort. You'll have those comments, but only if you stick around. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
All right, welcome back. Just a reminder, we're going to hear from the NVIDIA CEO exclusively just a short time from now. John Ford got Jensen Wong to open up. It's got some exclusive comments. Those are coming in moments. But right now, Boeing ousting the head of its 737 MAX program. His name is Ed Clark, and he's out. The factory he managed assembled Boeing 737 MAX 9, where a door plug blew off a plane on Alaska Airlines flight last month. That scare raising major questions about the quality of some of Boeing's jets. Now, Boeing adding a new job as well, a new senior VP of quality position. The shakeup comes ahead of a planned meeting between Boeing CEO Dave Calhoun and FAA chief Mike Whitaker next month. But does today's shakeup go far enough to help Boeing clean up its damage? Brand joining us now is Yale School of Management senior associate dean and CNBC contributor Jeff Sonnefeld. Jeff, does it go far enough? Uh, You know, I think it makes very encouraging uh, progress we can see here, Brian. We've been complaining that Boeing's um, executives and the board seem to have had their their heads in the clouds with their planes on the ground. And we even wrote about that in a a couple of fortune pieces. We had a a fortune piece out exactly a year ago. It said Boeing CEO Dave Callahan has charted a path back to profitability, but ongoing supply chain issues still haunt him. And sure enough, we have a piece that was just out uh, two weeks ago in Fortune saying here are the three steps that they need to take. And I'm happy to say they're following that recipe. They didn't pay a consulting fee for it, but they're they're following those three steps. One of them has to do with governance. One has to do with supply chain. And the third one has to do with really their, their ongoing production level problems. We could drill down on them if you'd like. Well, I don't know Ed Clark. Never heard of him before today, as a matter of fact. I'm not going to lie and pretend I have, Jeff, but... I've uh, been doing this a while, talking to you for a long time. always enjoy it. And, you know, sometimes you and I have talked about how companies, they need fall people, right? You need somebody to take the hit because it's usually not going to be somebody on the board or the CEO. It's Ed Clark's fault. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you often are wondering if you find a scapegoat, who to throw under the plane, so to speak. But I don't know if it's a wrong thing to do to actually look for accountability. This is what they've had to do. They've changed out 80% of their board. They created a new safety committee. That's a good move on the governance side. But on the leadership side, they still had to focus on accountability. Ed Clark, he was the guy who was responsible you know, for the, the safety issues. He had the oversight. The per- And I don't know him at all either. The person they brought in has a great background though, in aviation production, and it's a woman, Katie Ringold. What's also interesting, Brian, is uh, the SVP, she'd be in charge, the general manager of the units. The SVP of quality uh, is Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Lund, uh, also is a woman, and the chief operating officer, Stephanie Pope, is a woman. And one of the new directors they brought on was the inspector general uh, of the Air Force, which is also a general, is a pretty impressive. So in terms of shaking up the old boy culture, Mm -hmm. they're surely doing it with these these great new women, but no, they are they are not out of the turbulence yet. They're getting the um, the 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 seven thirty seven max uh, uh, nines now up in the sky. Yes, uh, I'm on one tomorrow. It, yeah, but that's just great. But you've got it's, me. It's the it's the tens that are the problem, and that's yeah. where most of the revenue is. That's like seventy two uh, billion dollars uh, uh, right there. Yeah, uh, and you've got another uh, I don't know. Uh, four or five billion dollars uh, with the 737 MAX 7s, and they're not allowed to produce them uh, right now. They're being held up, and and the ongoing production of what they're pulling out of the old planes, they're pulling out maybe yeah. 26, 27 a month. They, they were hitting 38 a month, so it's really troublesome. As you heard today, the, 
CFO of United is, is complaining about this, just like the CEO has complained recently. And they're they're talking to the, the evil competitors, yeah. talking, you know, to Airbus about they're, maybe turning to them. That's that's a big problem. It is, hey, Jeff. As you hear, they're even they don't even there's giving us the, the musical hook. That's the vaudeville equivalent now. You know, they send us the big <laughs> hook and they give us. So I have to I have to let you go, uh, Jeff Sonnenfeld. Thank you very much. All right. Up next, NVIDIA CEO just spoke to CNBC's John Fort. We're going to bring it to you. Plus, an extraordinary thing just happened in the market that has not happened since the New York Stock Exchange looked like that. And it didn't end great. Brian Dietrich is on set for the first time ever with that. Running the breaking news animation because John Fort sitting down moments ago with NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong following the company's earnings. Talked about how enterprise software companies are going to drive demand for NVIDIA's technology. Listen. What's going to happen is this. The, the, the world's enterprise software platforms represent approximately a trillion dollars. There are that trillion dollars represent Google's platforms like ServiceNow. It represents data platforms like Snowflake, Dropbox, Box. SAP, Oracle, these application-oriented, tools-oriented platforms and data-oriented platforms are all going to be revolutionized with these AI agents that sit on top of it. And the way to think about that is very simple. Whereas these platforms used to be tools that experts would learn to use, in the future, these tools companies will also offer AI agents that you can hire to help you use these tools or to help you reduce the barrier of using these tools. Shares of NVIDIA still surging after hours. They're up 59 bucks, almost 9%. And I'm sure you can catch the rest of that John interview tomorrow. I'm just guessing. Joining us now is Deepwater Asset Management Managing Partner, Gene Munster. Gene, amazing quarter on pretty much every level. The market has spoken. That's not my opinion. You said you love the fact something called training and inference were much stronger than you expected. My question is, what is what is training and inference? So training is when I know what training you, means. Training. Okay. Inference is when it basically gives you the response. It's you put a query in uh, and then it actually tells you what you wanted to know or gives you some direction. That's the inference. It's inferring what uh, what you're asking. And so essentially why that's so important. So that number was 40%, like you mentioned. I would have guessed that that number would have been 5%, but 40% of their CPUs are being used for inference. And what that means is that there is already an infrastructure layer that's in place. It's still nascent, but there is a lot of use for some of the things that Jensen Wong was just talking about in your John Fort setup piece there that we're actually using AI. And uh, that is an incredible number. As I said, I was expected to be 5%, 40 does show that even though this is early, we're getting a lot of use from AI. I think it really speaks to the question, is AI, how much is it hype? How much is it reality? This looks to be more than just a guess from the mm-hmm. big tech companies that's gonna be something that's actually, uh, people are actually using it. I tweeted this out earlier today or X'd it out later on, earlier today, Gene, because I've never seen anything like this in, in my career. The, the price difference among about 50 sell-side analysts cover NVIDIA. I think the high price target is like 1200 and the low is around 400 Most price target differences are like 30 or 40 bucks. How can the sell-side analyst community have an $800 gap in their expected price targets when they're all looking at the same data 
and probably all went to the same business school. Why am I yelling? So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in a unique place here, Brian. As, as you know, I've spent the last almost 10 years as an investor, but 20 years before that as an analyst. And so I know that role pretty well. I didn't ask well. by accident. I love it. I think the, the, the reason why is you probably have, of those 50 analysts, there's probably 30 of them that the buy side doesn't really care about their opinion. And they really don't spend a lot of time on uh, their their modeling. They don't spend a lot, put a lot of time into their price target. And that could be on the high or the low end. And so I think that there's probably a lot of noise here. It's usually probably five or 10 analysts that really matter when it comes to a company yep. like this. And so I think if you probably look at the five that matter, they're probably all pretty close to each other. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll do that, but not, not tonight and not this weekend because I'm off. Gene Munster, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, so there you go. Just once again, you catch more of that John interview. We just teased it tomorrow morning or tomorrow, not morning, gosh, tomorrow afternoon. All right, there's so much interest around NVIDIA tonight. So we found some rather mind-blowing stats about that stock. I think I just gave one away. Anyway, here are a few that you can use to wow your friends and family tonight or bore them out of the room. NVIDIA has become so big, it would be the 10th biggest stock market in the world by market cap. Stock market, not stock. In fact, NVIDIA alone is now double the size of the entire Italian stock market. That's according to our friends at the Cobasi letter. That said, NVIDIA could be much bigger. Before blowout earnings report, the chipmaker lost $159 billion in market cap since the stock peaked last week. That is roughly the size of a caterpillar. NVIDIA should recoup a good chunk of those losses. Well, it is right now because tonight and tomorrow are exactly the same thing. And get this, 49 active analysts cover NVIDIA. As we just noted, the high price target, $1,200. The low, $410. I was off by $10. That is nearly an $800 gap. For context, the gap between Microsoft's highest and lowest target is 180. So analysts see, as you just heard, quite a wide range of outcomes for NVIDIA. And here's another interesting stat for the Cobasi letter. The top 10% of stocks in America, which obviously include NVIDIA, now reflect 75% of the entire market. 10 stocks of about 3,500, 75% control. That is the most concentrated stock market since the Great Depression began right around 1931. The dot-com bubble of 2001, the concentration of the top stocks, top 10% peaked at about 72%. Is this a reason to worry or just random numbers on a screen that we can use to make you think? Happy to have Ryan Dietrich on set, Carson Group Chief Market Strategist, the pride of Southwest Ohio, um, goodness, what took you so long? Ten years, we couldn't get you in the studio. You know, I like doing it from my basement. This is the first time I've talked to you wearing pants in a long time, I think. Yeah, you, so, well, you don't know. Just, I, I haven't stood up. Yeah, You don't know. True. Just true. let's don't, you know, it's all That's good. Right. I, no judgment here. Ryan, do we need to worry about that? These are the kind of stats that Ryan Dietrich would come up with. Do, yep. we, need, do we care? I don't think you care. Well, I care a little bit. I guess, you know, that's, that's, you hear that and it's scary when you, when you see that big number like that. Well, but then, if one falls. Yeah, and it's true. And, you know, that's the worry, right? All these big stocks are moving the market. I mean, just a couple things, I guess, to push back on that, Brian. You look at equal weight, like the S&P 500 equal weight, right? So all 500 stocks count the same. That's like 2 or 3% from all-time high as we sit here. The NASDAQ 100 equal weight is less than 5% from all-time high. My, what I'm getting at, if we were 10 or 15% away on those equal weights, then I'd be more worried. One more 
quick one. The S&P 500's advanced decline line literally last week hit an all-time high. That's how many stocks going up and down. Not, not The size doesn't matter. It's yeah. all the different ones. So I'm not super worried that we have this market that's being led by just a couple big names, even though that stat might make well, it's it been, seem no, that Well, okay, I'll, I'll flip it. Yeah. And I'd agree with you, which it's been a benefit. If, yeah. you're, if you just put money into an S&P 500 ETF or index fund, you're well up because those horses are pulling the entire market cart. I just think, in my job as a news anchor, right, is one I heard a comedian once say, all news shows should be called What Went Wrong yep. or something like this. So it's to say what, what could happen. If one of those or two of those go down, mm-hmm. that's the risk. Because then the, the, the opposite happens, and great companies get sucked into the vortex. Yep. And we saw that to a degree last week. You think about it. I mean, tech was the big laggard last week. And we had, of course, higher CPI number, higher inflation, less chance of potential earlier rate cuts from the Fed. What happened? Small mid-caps actually led. I mean, that to me was surprising. Yes. And I think, you know, I've, I've come away for a while, so we do still like small and mid. They had that huge end-of-year rally, kind of just consolidating now. I wouldn't be shocked at all, Brian, if some of the previous, or the current leaders, I should say, your tech communications maybe gave way to some of the small and mid, which not too many people are saying, but we still think there's opportunity you still, there. And you, and you remain bullish on the overall market. You yes, were we bullish do. and you were right. You stayed bullish. And you, but I've, I see, I follow you on X. Yes. And, you know, and you're posting, you know, you're positive on the economy. You're positive on employment. And I assume that means you're, you're, that's one of the reasons, not the only, but you're positive on stocks. Exactly. I mean, you know, listen, you hear about these layoffs. It's one of the things in the news about the big layoffs. We have heard some of them yet. Look at initial claims. I mean, <laughs> initial claims aren't spiking yet. So people are clearly, maybe they might lose a job, which is unfortunate, but they're going to find another one really quickly. One more for you. We just had Valentine's Day. What'd you do Valentine's Day, by the way? You, I was here working. I did oh, nothing. I okay. disappointed happy, every, everybody in my life. Happy early birthday to your mom. I know. So, which is tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. my mother's birthday remind is tomorrow, Brian mom. I love you. It's, yeah. You're amazing. I hope you're watching. And remind happy Brian birthday, mom. Yeah, but happy birthday, mom, there. But Valentine's Day. You know, we were up over 4% on Valentine's Day, Brian. I looked, what does that mean? I call it the Valentine's Day indicator. When you're up at least 4% or more on Valentine's Day, the rest of the year has been higher. You ready for this? 26 out of 28 times. S&P wow. up 13% on average. Your like average, 87%. Yeah, your average year gains about 7.5% the rest of the year higher three out of four times. That's just one number. I get it. But hey, it's yeah. Valentine's Day. is mom's birthday. And that's still a reason. <laughs> We're not bullish just because of that. But that's something to think yeah. about in the back of your head. Amazing. By the way, you got to admit, much better in person. Oh, this is I more, know you love this your basement. Fun. Yeah, I do. And you, yeah. we're, we're glad you're wearing pants. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ryan Dietrich, welcome you. back anytime. A lot of fun. And thanks for the shout out for my mom. She'll appreciate, appreciate it. it. we got some breaking news right now on Sam Altman and AI. Let's get back to Christina in California. Christina, what's going on? Well, we just uh, finished up a fireside chat between CEO Pat Gelsinger from Intel and Sam Altman. Pat Gelsinger casually brought up the $7 trillion price tag that OpenAI is looking to fundraise on chip building capacities. Sam Altman replied, and I quote, don't pay too much attention to that. Pat, if I had to sit around and correct every mistake and report in the media, I would not be able to do my job. Therefore, implying that maybe that $7 trillion price tag is a mistake or inaccurate. He went on to say, and I quote, the numbers will be big, that part we can agree on. So there you have it, Brian. Sam Altman kind of squashing maybe that $7 trillion price tag, but still saying the fundraising is happening and that numbers are gonna be big. Back over to you. So is he squashing the, the seven trillion? I was, I was talking to Ryan, we had the producer mayor, work, so I couldn't hear everything he said, you forgive me. Um, is he squashing the seven trillion Or is he squashing the idea of sort of the fundamental story itself? 
No, no, definitely not the fundamental story itself and, and neither the uh, squashing the fundraising either. I think it's the seven trillion, the five to seven trillion a dollar amount, which is absurd. It's, a, it's an incredible number when you think of the entire chip industry. And so when Pat brought that up on stage, Sam Altman replied saying, don't pay too much attention to that, implying don't pay too much attention to that seven trillion dollar price tag. Wow. It could still be high. So could only be said. the numbers will be big. Could only be six, Christina. Right at six trillion, not seven. How will they eat? Oh yeah, Christina Partsonavlos. How will they eat? How will they get around in their planes? Got, and jets got and a, well, they, no, they got to have their plane has a plane. Christina, thank you. All right, coming up. Speaking of big money, game on. Amazon setting a breathtaking new bar for NFL rights. Alex Sherman, up with that next. Amazon going all in on live sports. According to a new report today from Front Office Sports, Prime Video is paying an estimated $120 million for exclusive rights to one of next season's NFL playoff games. But in new reporting from our own Alex Sherman, the amount actually paid may be significantly more. Alex, no knock on Front Office Sports to do a great job. Your sources tell you, that number is going to be higher. You ready for this, Brian? I, I'm, well, I'm sitting here. That's right, and I'm, sh- I'm sure our audience is too. I'm told the number is actually closer to 150 million rather than 120 million from wow. a source familiar with the matter. Amazon and the league, um, both no commenting. Why do we care? Uh, because well, we look, care because our company has streaming and also had a playoff game streamed as well. Yes, well, you hit it, Brian. That's you, you led right into it because to the league, it's like yeah, 30 million dollars. Who cares? But the point of why this is important is that Peacock paid $110 million for the last wildcard game. So if Amazon's paying closer to $150 million for this one, oh. now we're talking about a 30-plus percent increase, not a 9 or 10 percent increase. So this is what the league uses. These 30 percent off what we paid. Last year. Yeah, and we, well, by last year, year, you mean three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah, right, like exactly. a couple weeks ago. This like when we season. say last year, yeah. you know, I, it was that this season. Correct, this past season. And, you know, and it was in Peacock, the first. So a 30 percent jump Correct. in, call it, three months. So what do you take from that? Several things. One, the game was really popular on Peacock, 23 million viewers, uh, by far the most uh, watched streaming event, live streaming event ever. The league just continues to be so popular. I think 20 of the 21 uh, most viewed uh, shows on TV this past year were football in some form, NFL football. While the traditional TV ecosystem continues to lose cable subscribers, the ratings on football go up and up and up. The Super Bowl was watched by 123 million people. That was by far the most watched Super Bowl ever. Yeah, but let's in the be history. clear. Let's be clear. We, we love our company. We love you know the media. But it, this does tick off some people. They're like I'm paying for cable, or I'm paying for all these other things. Why do I got to pay for this? Right. Well, I mean, if you're paying for cable, if you're not you using it now, I know everybody is like six people don't use Amazon Prime, but I think you get my point. Right. But you're, you're only exactly. So to the Amazon point, yes, you're right. You don't get it if, if you're paying for just strict cable unless you're also paying for Amazon Prime. But we're this is the world we're headed to. We're headed to the traditional TV world is now seen by the media players as the old world. The new world, the, the players are going to be different. It's not going to be CBS, Fox, Disney, NBC bidding for all of these sports rights. Yeah. It's going to be, and it already is to some degree, Amazon, Apple, maybe Netflix. We saw Netflix make their first tiptoe jaunt 
into sports or sports programming with the WWE deal yeah. that was announced last month. Google, possibly with YouTube. These are going to be the bidders for live sports. That's they're, the future. They're tiptoeing and into maybe, the water at this point. And maybe point. live television news. And maybe live TV news. With some, like, you know, like amazing business news anchors. You, you just never know. I mean, the you more know. the more bidders, the better. I need right? a jet. Everyone else has one. Yeah, well, Alex, good story. $150 million. Breaking news. We'll look forward to it on CBC.com. Happy Thank birthday you. to my mom, yeah. too. Uh, yesterday, yesterday was your mom. Yeah, exactly. And tomorrow's my mom. That's Thank right. you. Yeah. All right, coming up. An NVIDIA story you won't get anywhere else. Has nothing to do with AI or chips. This is a real estate story you're going to want to hear. All right, NVIDIA. The stock is soaring, soaring right now. But the stock's run is impacting more than just the stock market. It's also helping fuel a real estate boom in the area right around its Santa Clara, California headquarters. Take a look at some properties that recently sold nearby. For about 1.1 million, you get 960 square feet. 1.98 million, three beds, 1,300 square feet, and apparently a bright yellow door. And if you got three million to drop, you get a two-car garage, small cars, but two-car garage, four bedrooms, four bath, just under 2,100 square feet. Santa Clara is not Atherton or Los Gatos. Let's talk more about it with Bay Area real estate agent Spencer. Sue Spencer, thank you very much for coming on. Especially, we just called you a couple hours ago, so appreciate it. How hot is your market, and how much have you noticed a correlation between how NVIDIA is doing and the real estate market around the headquarters? Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. In general, the NASDAQ has hit near all-time record highs. And so overall, most people have a lot of RSUs and stocks as part of their comp package. Now, NVIDIA has NVIDIA employees have certainly done far better than everyone else. And so this has accelerated the move for a lot of people to get into the market much earlier. Usually things get hot in the springtime, but this year, spring has occurred a lot earlier. Yeah, and you, RSUs, by the way, restricted stock units, what a lot of employees get, they have to hold them for a couple of years and they cash them in. I'm sure a smart realtor and successful realtor like yourself, Spencer, you probably know when, when the bulk of these, 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 you know, not just the IPO, that's obvious, but when big chunks of RSUs may come available, because I got to imagine your phone starts to ring off the hook. Yeah, it's been incredibly busy. As you all may know, interest rates are significantly higher than before, but it seems like we may be breaking all-time records this upcoming spring. So in general, people are on the move. They've waited many years now, mm-hmm. and it's been time for them to get, on, get but, going. But Spencer, you know, you talked about interest rates. My guess is a massive chunk of your buyers are paying cash. There's a lot more. When rates are higher, interesting enough, you actually see a lot more people come in with more cash because the cost of borrowing is higher. So the reality is combination of saving over time, but combination of just divesting some of their existing holdings. That's why you see a bigger chunk down to reduce that loan cost. And, and ho- quickly, homes not on the market long at all, are they? No, the average is only one week. One week? One week. You better be ready to go. If you're out on vacation for one week, I'm sorry you missed that whole batch. Ah, that is amazing. We show. Let's bring them up again if we can, guys. The house. Spencer Sue, appreciate you joining us. Uh, amazing story, and hope you're making some money off it as well. All right. Doing what we can. Yeah, I'm sure you're doing just fine, my friend. All right, let's get a quick check on futures before we go and how the NVIDIA move may impact the market. We told you it was one of the most important stocks in America, maybe the 
And guess what? Futures up 1.3% on the far right. So tomorrow could be a big day. I'm off the next two days. I'm going to go find myself in the mountains. I'll see you Monday. And a happy birthday to my beloved mother tomorrow. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 